Good day to everybody. Thanks to everybody that is listening live. Welcome to TW28. Um, We are getting started here and we're going to be discussing setting up your computer operating systems from scratch or using whatever means are available to you to get up and running very quickly. As usual, Michael Babcock is here. Hello, hello, Michael. Thank you. Hello. Uh, (laughs) We're professionals, I promise. Uh, Also joining us for the and and having the honor of being the first guest on Technically Working, we have all the way from across the pond, Mr. Sean Priest. Hello, it's so good to be here. Do you see that? No delay. Look at that. That's professionalism. This guy's really a professional. He also did not do his homework either. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. They didn't need to know that. Hey, man, listen, I'm under that same bus with you because <laughs> this guy did do a lot of homework and I would like to welcome. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome Mr. Jeff Bishop to the show as well. Well, thank you very, very much. I'm glad to be here and, and to be in the presence of Sean. I don't know. I, I have to like... <laughs> Man, I don't know. I feel uh, blessed and honored. honored to even be in your presence. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise, sir. So to get us started off today, um, as I said, we're, first, let me uh, stop for a second and remember my duties because I'm supposed to be a professional. Thanks to everybody who subscribes and listens to the show for sure. Please tell a friend about it. We appreciate it. As well, thanks to our subscribers who support us monetarily. We do appreciate it. And if you're interested in how you can help support us, please go to yourownpay.com slash TW and you can subscribe and, you know, make a small monetary donation or a large monetary, uh, you know, uh, donation every month if you would like to do so. We appreciate it. So today we're going to be talking about Mac OS and Windows and what are the settings and, and things that we change that are operating system based that are built in? So before we get to any third party applications or any of that, when I'm setting up a brand new Mac, when you're setting up a new Windows machine, what are those settings? We're all in the, the OS settings, whether that's system settings on the Mac or uh, Windows settings and changing or what default browser settings are we also tweaking? So I want to give a start here to michael first because mike you just like literally just reset your mac yesterday i think it was yep sure was so just general high level overview how difficult or easy was it to get back to a point where you can productively work well, uh, productively work is kind of a interesting uh, phrase because right now I am working and I don't hear you guys, which is always awesome. So I'm in the background trying to frantically get that figured out to see why I don't hear you guys. But thankfully, Demasi's broadcasting into Clubhouse, so that's how I am broadcasting. And Michael D just said stream keeps going up and down, and yeah, that's because I'm trying to figure out why I can't hear them. So uh, we'll we'll get that figured out in a moment. Uh, honestly, though, it really took me probably half hour to an hour at most to get reset up. So I am up and operational and able to uh, access all my things. Um, I do use homebrew to be able to get a lot of the applications installed. And thankfully, before I reset the Mac yesterday, I dropped a, a entire list of all the applications I needed. So I could just run homebrew, install these. And then I walked away to go do dishes because doing dishes is the story of my life. So that's always positive. Uh, and then uh, some utilities that I have used in order to get things like drafts so I can read these notes, because I absolutely 100% with a passion hate the app store on the Mac uh, is I 
I used Mass, M-A-S, and that allowed me to search for the app that I wanted. And my next list of things that I'm going to go ahead and create is the list of Mass IDs. So I can quickly install those applications because otherwise I have to do Mass search and uh, find the the application that I want. So hopefully that answered that question. And uh, yeah, thanks, Rossi. Fascinating. So... I know Jeff is chomping at the bit right now because there's a similar application for uh, Windows that I have used as well in a virtual machine to get Windows up and going with the apps I need. So, Jeff, first, uh, I don't think you've recently set up Windows, uh, to my knowledge, but generally for you, if you had to start from scratch with Windows, like how how long do you think it takes you or how easy or difficult is it for you to get back to a productive working state? Well, I can do that in about an hour. Oh, man. Uh, Superstar. That, that, yeah. Well, that's not everything synced, but I can get, you know, everything up and going, including email, probably within an hour uh, to get everything synced and where I have direct access to it takes a little bit more time simply because I use a number of cloud-based services like Dropbox and OneDrive and Google Drive. And so sometimes those take a bit of time to actually bring all the data down and it, it may not even be downloading files, but just caching the directories and files that are stored in the cloud sometimes takes a bit of time. Um, one, one of the things that I do first before I even venture into this space, and I actually had to set up four machines just in the past couple of months. So yeah, there's been a lot of it going on is I go out and, and I use Ninite. That's N-I-N-I-T-E. And that allows me to check off simply just using checkboxes, the, the applications that I want to most commonly install. So things like Firefox and Google Chrome, FileZilla, WinSCP, uh, the Everything app, WinAmp, NVDA even can be installed this way. And you basically download this one executable and it will then allow you to run this once you're ready and it won't install any bloatware or any, you know, uh, advertisement toolbars or anything of that nature. Sometimes these things come with that, that God, McAfee seems to be the thing that they love to bundle with things with this, like uh, Adobe Acrobat Reader loves to bundle things. Be very, 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 very careful if you're installing Adobe Acrobat Reader. Uh, just very, very bad situation there. I don't know why they feel the need to do that. I'm still stunned by you installing Winamp. I'm sorry. Is it 1990? <laughs> What's what going on? <laughs> I, I install Winamp, Fubar. Uh, yeah, no. It's, uh, I look at Express, know, ICQ. I, no, no, no. <laughs> AOL. Uh, no, no, no. MSN Messenger, though. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, going, we're going old school here. No, no, no. But no, Winamp is great. And, and you, know, you don't want to use the cloud-based version of Winamp. They have a new cloud-based Winamp player that's not very accessible but they still support the the desktop version and you can download it and they keep updating it so yeah i'm going to continue to use it all my all my stuff is bookmarked in winamp and yeah i I think i'll probably be using it when i'm 80 probably if if they keep supporting it so which is not far off you know 23 years (laughs) 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 some of us are really old But uh, yes, so I do a bunch of prep and I put these executables and other software that is important that I want to make sure that I get onto my image, I put in a OneDrive folder and I make sure all of that is there before I go to the next step. 
that also includes making sure that I have either in uh, Bitwarden uh, all of my software serial numbers. And if, if it's not in Bitwarden, then I make sure I grab them from email and I put them in a place that is fully accessible so that I can get things like Goldwave and, and other things that require activation. Uh, SoundForge, for example, requires activation. So, you know, I, I make sure I have all of that stuff before I even, you know, you know, reformat a machine or re-image it to, to begin the process of, of setting it back up. What do you do, Sean? Well, you know what? It's it's really funny because thinking about it, it used to be it used to be a whole almost um, ceremony when you were doing oh, yeah. a, a fresh install of Windows back in the day, right? It was yeah. you know, two days hours of a job, hours, right? At, yeah. at, at least, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember the last time I've done that. I, what I do now, since the feature was made available, is refresh this PC. Um, it yeah, simply okay. takes yeah. it takes it back to the out-of-the-box experience. You know, I, I, I don't keep any of my... Because there's a couple of options there. You can refresh right, the right, right, right. Windows operating system and still keep your personal files. But I just wipe everything. And the, the difference has been for me, and it's been brought up already, is the cloud services. It's just totally changed everything. I mean, an external hard drive uh, I've always got attached anyway for any you know archival purposes. Mm -hmm. But everything just lives in the cloud, Dropbox, for example. So if I do, all I need to do when I want to refresh the PC is basically copy every uh, thing that's on my desktop, which usually is hundreds of things. I just copy them all, put them into a new folder. <laughs> Never give it a name because, yeah, yeah, what's wrong with new folder 53? It's absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> put it into new folder and then drag that over to external hard drive and then... Bang, just wipe the PC. Because yeah. um, everything I do is cloud-based. I mean, all the recording um, on CleanFeed or an online service like that. Um, I, I, when it comes to the actual software itself, I've been beaten into submission by Microsoft, I must admit. There was a time before Microsoft um, had their own libraries, like for pictures, videos, and documents, their own folders, where you had to make your own. And right. uh, I had a little, you know, on C, I'd have my little um, structure of everything I wanted, games and everything else. And I make those folders every time I did a fresh install. But since um, Windows itself has those default places, those default folders, um, I, I just go with it. And um, I must admit, it has made life easier. And when it comes to apps, I'm just using um, like Microsoft To Do, everything that sort of comes with Windows anyway. So I must say, now, if I'm doing a setup, it is very, very quick to get back on. The biggest time, and you've mentioned this already, Jeff, is, is Dropbox or cloud-based syncing. I mean, Dropbox in particular, I haven't had much experience oh, yeah. with all the it takes others. forever. I, I leave it overnight, and I'll come back the next day, and it's still going. And uh -huh. bear in mind, this isn't copying the files down. This yeah. is still for offline Sinking. storage. Mm -hmm. This is just shortcuts, basically, to the files yeah. in the cloud. Yeah, yeah, it no can kidding. still take hours. Yeah, hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that, I don't understand. That I've noticed that with Google Drive and uh, a couple other services too. Like it takes a long time to index, and they're not pulling down the files, so it's not even an internet speed thing. It's just indexing. So when you open, when you go to open a file, it'll download on demand, and it it takes a long time. Um, so my setup process for me is is 
I want to say a little cross between uh, Sean's and Jeff's. I think I do do a lot of preparation before I wipe my machine to make sure that like I'm not forgetting anything. Uh, and I have quick access to, you know, downloads of, of things that I have to go download from a website. I will sometimes pre-do that. Like Michael, though, and I think I may be the reason Michael is now doing this. I do use uh, Homebrew on the Mac to just dump a brew file that gives me everything that's installed so I can run that when I set back up. Uh, 1Password is where I store all of my license keys, so those are you know instantly available. Of course, I have to get 1Password installed, but that's a part of that brew process. Sean, I'm, it's, it's curious to me. Well, not curious, but it's interesting to me that you said, you know, Windows is going to beat you to a submission because they have their file structure for things like documents, photos, etc., which the Mac has those two as well. I tend to keep a lot of my stuff either in cloud storage or I have my own because I got tired of doing what you were mentioning, which is every time I would wipe a computer or get a new machine, I got to go set up, you know, my folder structure again. I just keep it on an external drive now uh, because I don't want to be stuck in Apple's, you know, everything goes to your documents and it's like that thing turns into a mess really quickly for me. And Michael, did we lose you at all? Nope, you still got me. Uh, And I actually have my audio again. Guess what? When you mute audio hijack when you're doing testing, it mutes all of your outputs. Technically working. See, now (laughs) Michael's role today is to continue to set up his Mac while we're doing this. I'm not going to figure out why I hear my voice in my own head, which is, uh, I I know why that is. I just got to go fix that now. Well, you know, you got to take your medication, man, and that helps damp that down a little bit. I will say, going back to your question, Damasi, I, I do, you know what, I tend, when I say I've sort of given in, is it, when I say that, I've, I've, um, I will use the default save as locations. Used to have my own little structure, as I said, and I would stick to it rigidly. Um, but now I do, okay, Microsoft, you can handle, you can have, because it got too much of a battle to change it every time, to be honest. So if I, you know, take a picture in the camera app, take a video in the camera app, then okay, it'll save it to camera roll under pictures and whatever else. But I, I totally agree with you. I do have an external drive, but I'm using my Dropbox as the backup. So everything goes into the Dropbox. My Dropbox is huge, like 27 terabyte or something mad. Um, that is my. Um, wow. That is what, my. Did you say what? Twenty-seven <laughs> terabytes? <laughs> no, well, I what mean did, that, that's included. Where did that number come from, Sean? <laughs> All right, okay, two terabytes, two point seven. No, wow. it, it, no, it's large. If I include the work Dropbox in that, it, you know, lots of video, four K video in that, it, it's huge. But um, the, the point is that the cloud has just changed. It makes everything so much easier because I know it's always there, even if my hard drive dies or. You know, it's always there to get back. That's the the beauty of it. Um, The other thing I forgot to say, not just the things on my desktop, but also downloads as well. I always drag the downloads folder across. So usually it's just one folder I'm dealing with because downloads is where I, you know, NVDA updates come in or whatever else. So I always got the latest version in there. I want to quickly go back to um, Ninite, though. Um, Always seems weird to say that name, Jeff, Ninite. But... I haven't tried that one yet, but I've recently started looking into it. It seems really cool. Does it does it work as well as it as it says it does? It, it does, and actually, there's a, a Nanite Pro service which allows you to have it automatically maintain software on your machine 
Now, I personally, I don't know if I would do it or not, because that's sort of taking away control of what you know is happening on your device. But uh, that that service is, is similar to, you know, Windows Update, where basically it constantly monitors for new versions of things and auto installs them for you. Uh, Ninite itself, the basic Ninite service is free. And it's great. Boy, it, I mean, it's a huge oh, time saver. And they've got, there, I don't know, a couple hundred different things up there that you can install automatically. It's just great. <laughs> I got to say, I, I checked, someone, sorry, Michael, someone told me about it. So I checked it out and I was, I kept looking at it thinking, okay, where's the catch? Where's where's the scam here? Why is, this seems great. Then um, as a, I know the, the website incredibly accessible plus they've got an option which says show me the screen reader friendly that is super fantastic nice. yeah i'm not sure everything on their screen reader list is accessible though <laughs> but oh. um, but <laughs> it's kind of interesting I, I don't know where they're getting that list from because i don't know that i would personally install some of those things yeah. but they may be i mean i may be wrong about that but i just found it interesting that with some of their choices that they put on yeah, so so did I. I used it to set up Windows in a virtual machine, and I just ran Narrator once I was up and going, and ran the Nanite installer, and boom, there was NVDA and the rest of the few things that I needed. It is a really nice setup. One thing that I find interesting that none of us have said, and now me, I back up my computer religiously. I have Backblaze running actually right now because it's not affecting the stream. Um. And also, you know, run a, a clone of my machine routinely as well. None of us has said, oh, I just, you know, go to my backup service or my backup drive and just restore when I'm setting up a new machine, which I find very interesting. Do so before we get into like what we actually change, because that's the next place to go. People are like, I wish these guys would tell us the settings. Uh, we're, we're getting there. But I want to ask one final question of everybody here. Do you back up your computer using any service like a Backblaze or cloning to a external drive or anything like that uh, for your your data? And if you do, why don't any of us, including me, <laughs> use the backup to restore? <laughs> so I don't use a backup tool. Uh, I need to. And for me, backing up means if I accidentally delete a file that's no longer available, I have a way to be able to go get that. And I'm guilty of not using that. My backup solution is Hazel, which moves all of my downloads to a downloads folder on my external drive once they're older than a week, because then I still have them. I know where to go find them. And if I ever reset the computer, at most, I lose a week's worth of downloads if I forget to go copy them over. Okay, well, uh, I do not do backups, but I, I will tell you what I uh, do here. Uh, and it's sort of a little tricky situation. And one of these days, Microsoft may turn this off. So if it doesn't work for you, um, <laughs> but it seems to work for me. In fact, I have two OneDrive folders installed right now. So I use OneDrive as my primary backup tool because it comes with office 365 and you get one terabyte and if you have a family subscription then you can give it to five other people and you know six six terabyte for 99 dollars a year i mean you can't even pay for cloud storage for that price right and, and then you get office on top of it right however if you buy the commercial versions of office 365 like office small business edition and you don't have to get the desktop apps by the way you could just spend i don't know six dollars a month or something and just get access to you know outlook word powerpoint excel and all those things online 
but you still get OneDrive. And guess what? You can install that folder as well. And you, you can install as many of those as you want. So, for example, I have my university OneDrive. I have my CSE Designs, which is my Jeff at JeffBishop.com OneDrive. I have my personal OneDrive folder. I have, uh, I have a couple of other ones. So I have about five terabyte of cloud storage that I can put files in. And I just do redundant backups between those and make sure that, they're, that they stay synced. So that's how I handle things. I figure software-wise, I can just reinstall the software. I don't need to back it up. I'm only mainly concerned about data. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Again, the internet's changed everything, right? My backup drive is the internet. I just download whatever I need, mostly. Um, uh, um, Sorry, I've forgotten the question. I've gone off track. No, you answered so, the question. No, you, you, you did actually answer the question. <laughs> yeah, I, I have noticed in, in modern times, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, well, I'm not the youngest person on this call uh, by a little bit, but I am a old school computer user. So um, I, I do remember days of losing data because a computer crashed or a hard oh, drive yeah. got burned. Oh, yeah. Oh. So it's a habit that I find <laughs> hard to break. Now, I don't do it as. I'm, I'm not as manic about it as I used to be. Uh, Michael can tell you when we first kind of started getting to know each other, like I think I had like four or five backups, you know, all over the place. Now I tend to back up Backblaze and that is because um, one, I'm not really a Dropbox user, uh, but I do know a lot of the cloud storage services also offer versioning uh, for your uh, software. So let's say you or your app or your, your data. So I know Dropbox offers this, for example, if you delete a file in your Dropbox folder, well, poof, that is gone from everywhere, but you can go to their website. And depending on, you know, the level that you're paying for of Dropbox, you're able to go back X number of days and recover things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that has changed the whole backup landscape. I still think at least having like Backblaze or something like that running, uh, as a complete offsite backup of everything uh, is good. And for me, it's because there's a lot of data that is is, is very personal. Uh, I'm backing up photos. We have tons of photos of the kids that I make sure I, I get backed up and then also hold other people's data. So it's a little different. Uh, but I have noticed over the past few years that a lot of people are relying on the cloud service because they can either recover or their documents are already in the cloud. So they just download new and here we go. Until one of these cloud services gets hacked, and then we all start to panic. Um, hasn't happened yet, I don't think, is it? No, I don't think so. Not to understand. It's usually an account hack, not so much a service level hack. Right? Yes. That, that's, that's sometimes right. what we have to be aware of, too, is oftentimes you're here, oh, well, you know, iCloud was breached. And it's like, no, they, they hacked, they, they manipulated themselves into someone's account, not the whole service, right? And that's, that's a big yeah. difference. Um, Hasn't been cracked open. Uh, yeah, so I, I remember now. Yeah, backing up. That's right. So I don't back up. And I, I, the thing is, I don't have that many files on my computer. So far, we'd, I've been talking about, you know, downloading the, the apps and whatever else and cloud storage. But back in the day when I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of MP3 files, all bought legitimately, of course. Of course. And um, all my um, DVDs backed up, you know, via dvd shrink or handbrake or whatever it was at the time um all ripped to my external hard drive and i was using it as either a plex server or as a media um, server um it was important i backed all that stuff up but now again thanks to streaming services you know i don't have any music locally stored 
on my computer. I don't have any movies because I've got Netflix and everything else. Um, uh, all the music streaming services means I don't have any music. And um, because uh, I've got no usable vision, then uh, the photos just get all deleted. So you know what? Everything's great. <laughs> yeah apple music has changed everything you know oh man yeah you know you want to hear something just go get it and listen to it you know yeah. it's great so let's get into the, the the meat of this situation i want to start with the mac specifically because mr bishop asked a question like what did you guys change when you're setting up a mac or what settings would you recommend changing as a you know user of the mac that you always get into and i want to let michael start here first uh, partially because he did his homework and I didn't, uh, but also because he just did this. So he's going to be a little fresher on the brain as to some of the some of the settings that he, he is changing. So, Mike, you get it started and I'll just be chiming in with, with things and uh, ask questions, you know, either one of you two guys, if you have them. So the first thing I do when I get on uh, Mac and reinstalled and everything set up is I press command control option Four. And the reason I do that is because the finder then changes my sort view to date last modified because honestly, I find that to be the best way to navigate finder because more often than not, I know what the name of the file is. so I can start typing the name of it, but uh, often I want to just find a file that I recently made a change to or downloaded or something like that. Uh, I then press command three, which actually changes my finder to column view. I know Demasi is not a column view user but I uh, find column view to be the best way to navigate Finder uh, because it's it, it closely resembles my other favorite tool that Demasi has introduced me to called LaunchBar. So I can use my up and down arrow keys and then tap right if I want to go into a folder. Uh, the next thing I do is I get rid of Spotlight because I absolutely despise Spotlight and I tried to use it for like 10 minutes yesterday and it did not work out the way I expected it to. So I go into Launch Bar and uh, I start the configuration process. That requires me to give Launch Bar accessibility privileges because one of the first things that I need in there is clip merge. So if you select text and you press Command C twice quickly, it will merge that text or that file or that whatever you have highlighted with your clipboard. So uh, often I'll do this. I'll find files in Launch Bar and I'll, I'll copy them and then I'll clip merge uh, the next file and then go move those files wherever I need them to be. So I don't have to keep going back and forth. Wait, wait, wait. Is that a thing? Yep. In Launch Bar. If you that's launch the thing bar. with Launch Bar. So wow. that, that's a little beyond the, the basic installation. Now we're installing third-party apps. Um, I do use uh, List View in Finder, but that is one of the first things I change to is switch my switch. So here's the thing about the Mac with, um, and I think this is also the case on Windows, you can have certain folders or, or locations show up differently uh, with layout. Uh, for example, on the Mac, uh, downloads, the downloads folder is always set up to show uh, the most recent item at the top. So it's sorted by most recent. Uh, and I think that's also always in list view. I hit uh, and it's command J or it's open the view menu of Finder and I go to a different folder, like say my home folder, change that to list view because that's the view I prefer. And 
Um, I set apply these settings to all finder folders or all finder windows so that I'm looking at list view everywhere. Otherwise, you get in this weird situation where you open up downloads and there's a list and then you hit command shift A to go to the applications and there's like this grid and you're like, man, this ain't what I want. Uh, but <laughs> yes. that is the big tip there is you can go configure a folder how you want its view to be. And if you want to apply that across your system, you can do so or you can restrict that view to just that specific folder. So if you have a reason to change things around. Um, spotlight is a thing that I also quickly uh, disable because I don't, yeah. I don't care. I've been using Launch Bar so long now that I really can't get my mind around Spotlight. It may be great, like it, it may be amazing at this point. I just can't wrap my head around it. So I'm, I'm Launch Bar all the way. So I disable that. And to disable that, you go into System Settings now. Go down to Keyboard because this was next on my list to disable it, and then you go to Keyboard Shortcuts, and then the Spotlight Shortcuts in that table, and then I uncheck both of those boxes because then I can assign Launch Bar um, to to do this. And then Demasi taught me this that now is is new with this most recent uh, install. If you go to Modifier Keys in the keyboard setup, um, you can also disable the caps lock because I don't remember the last time I actually used a caps lock for a caps lock. I use it for my voiceover modifier key because I use a couple of web apps that use the control option keys. So I prefer to use caps lock over control option. Um, and then the other thing that I have mixed feelings about because it seems I'm, I'm a little confused about this is under the function keys option, there's an option to uh, disable the function keys from doing what they like the uh, icons printed on them. I started with Mac OS Ventura today and then I upgraded to Sonoma before recording because upgrading your operating system right before your recording is the smartest choice to make. And <laughs> I <laughs> have learned that that did not fix it. Um, it but it did. It is one of those features that I tried to go in and change because before I reset my Mac, my function keys worked properly. Uh, I learned that these were not working right because I set F19 to be my sound source keyboard keystroke. And now when I press F19, it locks me out of my computer and I have to re-enter my password. So, um, Who's got F19? How big's your keyboard? F19? I have the Logitech MX keys. So wait, do wait, I. Wait, I've never wait. seen that one. F19? <laughs> what does that mean? You, like, how, how does that work? It's uh, so you have a number pad on the side right. of yours, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. the top right key on the number pad on the. Oh, I hate that one. I'm constantly locking my computer. I know the one you mean. Oh, oh and, and, the, and, the, okay. and the calculator keys and stuff on the top row of the. I, I have keyboards yes. like that. And you hit. Yep. You think you're hitting the? Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, but the, the application <laughs> key on the MX keys is next to the lock key. Is it's it? not Mine down is. by the space. It's not down on the bottom. I've got two. I've got one just, you know, two on from the left cursor key and another one next to the lock key on the top of the numpad. We need to hmm. talk about MX key keyboards at some point because <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very intrigued by these things. I've heard the ranting and raving on Double Tap about the software not being accessible. And so I'm like, well, I'm not buying that keyboard. That's Excuse what I me. said ranting too. Ranting and raving. I think you'll find it's concise analysis. <laughs> we are talking about no, Stephen I, Scott. I meant that in a positive trait, by the way. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with it. I'm not saying it's bad. A <laughs> couple uh, more settings here real quick. Uh, so hold, on, hold, on, hold on one second because I want to make sure we cover that, that one setting. So the checkbox says um, it is unchecked by default in keyboard settings on the Mac. Uh, use function keys as normal 
keys. And you want to check that if you don't want to have to use the FN key in order to make use of your F keys. Uh, I don't use screen brightness or volume or anything like that as the as the F keys on my thing. So I always check that box. Uh, that means when I hit something like control F12, it does what I have mapped it to do versus having to hit FN control F12 uh, to make it work. Gotcha. You guys have not mentioned the one that I turned off though yet. Which one's that? Michael. The emoji one. Ah, uh, so that globe key. Yeah, I turned, I'm going to get to that one. I was looking at this. I was actually looking at, so it, it, there's a globe key, which for most people on your keyboard, the way, at least the way I know what it is, is the FN key. All right. If you just press the FN key, what does it do? I have that set to do nothing uh, because I think by default, Jeff discovered this. Uh, by default in Mac OS, you press the FN key and it brings up some some palette for emojis. And I'm like, I don't I don't need this. That's uh, what stemmed this whole conversation. Really? And, that is what started the whole conversation. And, and, and you know what's really bad about the Mac keyboards is they put the FN key where the control key is on a PC keyboard. So by habit, you're hitting this FN key mm-hmm. thinking you're going to shut speech up. And it's bringing up this stupid emoji thing. <laughs> and you're like, God, you know, what's going yeah. on over here? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, Who doesn't that, use that, emojis. Well, it's a char- it's character map. It's it's characters that you can enter. It's like it's like the Windows uh, period hotkey, oh, Sean. Yes, yes. And I use a third party okay. app for my emojis because Rocket is amazing. The Rocket is amazing. Uh, so, by the way, is Launch Bar in the App Store or is that a no. uh, downloadable thing? Oh, no, but you can get with Homebrew. It, you can you can download it from their website, Jeff. I'll shoot okay, you. Okay, okay. No, that's fine. no, no. I don't need a link. I can get it there. Ah, okay. But I, I just was wondering if they because they used to be in the App Store, and then of course, well, so was a lot of Rogue Amoeba stuff, and then they exited the App Store. That was many moons ago. That was back when I was <laughs> using a Mac about seven years ago. So uh, under messages, I go to the preferences, and then I go to iCloud, and I check the messages in iCloud because for the first couple of minutes, I'm like, where are all of my messages that should be showing up on the Mac? So that's another setting that I change. And then the last thing that I'll bring up is because I'm a high user of Audio Hijack and Loopback and all those other software, I have to restart into recovery mode and go through the scary process of lowering the security on my Mac in order to be able to get those apps to run. Wait, say that again? <laughs> under uh, loopback, or I'm sorry, under the recovery, you have to go into recovery mode, uh, go up to security options and disable or enable less secure. I forget the exact oh, yeah. wording. Do you know what I'm talking about, Damasi? Yep, I do. And I have a um, bone to pick with Apple about that because I do not like the way they word this. So you, if you're using, and you may see this with other applications too, and, and well-behaved apps will let you know like, hey, you need to go do this thing here uh, and allow us to run a kernel level extension basically. So what you have to do is reboot into recovery mode on the Mac. You go up to security options, as, as Mike said, and you're going to uh, edit your security policy. And full security is what it's set to by default. You want to change it to less secure, but it's not exactly what it says. It, it makes it sound worse than what it is. Like, oh, you're opening yourself up to everything. No, you're really not. Like, you're, you're still, you still only allow signed applications, et cetera, to run. But that is a setting you need to change if you're going to use any of Loopback's tools because of the uh, audio capture engine that they run uh, to make it behave. Wow. Uh, a couple other and settings. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. You've got to go into recovery mode 
to do that. Because Apple are jerks. Because that's why. That's why. And and because some of us don't remember, how do you get into recovery mode on the Mac? So if you're on an Apple Silicon Mac, uh, you want to shut down and then hold down your power button uh, for, I think it may be about 10 or 15 seconds. And then you're probably going to have to turn voiceover on by hitting Command L5 if you're a voiceover user. If you're on a Intel based Mac, you want to reboot. And as soon as you hear the chime, hold down Command R. Uh, and for about, I'm going to again, say 15 to 20 seconds, maybe, and release those keys. Uh, if you don't hear anything, start talking initially, hit command F5 to start voiceover and you should be in recovery mode. And then you sign in with your account, right? Nope. There's no signing in because you're, you're, so what you're going to have to do is go through the process of like unlocking your disc. So it's going to say select the drive or, 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 um, volume that you want to unlock which would be for most people is going to be your default mac os installation anyway you would then type in your user password so yeah i guess you do kind of got to log in jeff Uh, i was gonna say if if you don't sign in then anybody could do this and they could yeah yeah you're you're, right evil things well so i didn't think of that initially because i have file vault on right so i have to unlock my disk in order to do anything i'm not michael do you have to do that because i don't think you have file vault turned on i do not have file vault and yes the first step in recovery is to choose your hard drive and then it says uh, pick a user you know the password for Uh, and it shows you a list of the users and then you enter your password that's that's your your computer account password not your icloud account password oh wait they have a thing called gatekeeper I, I haven't used a Mac. Yeah, that's years. different, though. They it? they do have gatekeepers. So I'll because Sean Sean, this is annoying Sean, and he's not even a Mac user. It really annoys me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't understand because gatekeeper is a thing, right? You, and that can set uh, and settings. And by default, I think it is where it's, where it's currently set for me, which is allow inst- installing of apps from the Mac App Store and uh, signed app developers or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um. Which is fine, right? That's what you want. That that means if I go to Rogue Amoeba's website, download Audio Hijack, and try to run it, it will run fine. I won't get any errors or anything. I just have to go do this this weird thing I want to get to, uh, because their application is signed, right? They're, they're Apple developers with with official accounts, and they've signed their their app releases. My problem with Apple with this whole rebooting into recovery mode thing is. Rogue Amoeba, uh, there's a couple of other apps I think that also you have to go do this, this lower your security uh, policy for. These guys have been around on the Mac since, you know, before some people on this call may have been born, uh, to be honest with you. And it's ridiculous to me that Apple doesn't give you, give them a way to say, hey, I want to run this thing and uh, allow the user to just do it from within the Apple uh, OS interface instead of having to reboot into recovery. Because that is a huge leap for a lot of people uh, yeah. to do. And then the way that they phrase the setting options in that security policy make you feel like you probably shouldn't do what you're doing. Yeah, trying to scare you off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, scare attacks. So- I don't like it. What's the difference between Gatekeeper and re- that recovery? So is it so, just you can in- install so it and the other one is to allow it to run? Yeah, so Gatekeeper, and I think there's something similar on, on Windows. Gatekeeper, you could restrict your Mac to only allow installing apps from the Mac App Store, which means if you went to, you know, Rogue Amoeba site or you went to, you know, Microsoft site to download Word directly or something, it wouldn't run because you have restricted what your Mac can install. So Gatekeeper at its highest security setting is very much like iOS. You can only get stuff out of the App Store. 
the middle level, which says allow uh, app installation from the app store and notarized or signed app uh, bundles uh, is more like where people think the iPhone is going to end up, which is, oh, I can install an app from the app store. Or if an Apple developer has released an application to their website, as long as they sign it with their Apple developer certificate, you have no problems. There's also a third mode that is more difficult to find now that says, oh, just let you install anything. We don't care. Just just do it. It doesn't jailbreak. matter where it came from. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what that kind of is, is like jailbreak mode on the Mac. But um, I'm being dumb here. I know I am. But No, no you're so, not. No, no, no if you set if you set gate, gatekeeper to install uh, from outside of the app store, well, mm-hmm. why doesn't that? Why, then why, why would you have to go into recovery? Because yeah. uh, so for for uh, audio, so I'm going to use Rogue Amoebas too specifically because this is the only reason I have to do this. I I do know that there are other apps uh, that also require this. So the engine that Rogue Amoeba uses to or to in order to for them to be able to capture audio across the system in, in their different applications is called the audio capture uh, engine, right? This is basically a very low level. Uh, call it a system uh, kernel extension, yeah, right? So it, yeah. it's right down there at the very low level of, of the kernel operating system. So it does require elevated privileges. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it, it basically gets the same privileges as, as you know, Apple software at this point because they're down there manipulating audio streams. Um, for Windows users, it would be similar to uh, giving an application the same permissions that, um, you know, Windows Update has or something like that, right? Like it's yeah. very low level. So I can understand there being some higher requirements. And like you, Sean, I don't have an answer for you why if I allow this and then there's a pop-up that says, hey, Rogue Amoeba wants to install a kernel extension. Uh, this is signed by Rogue Amoeba, you know, LLC or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to allow this and make you type in your password to approve it and let them run? I wish that's how it worked. Why it doesn't work that way, again, is because I said Apple. You know, Apple being Apple is what I'm going to say there, is, is, is Apple being Apple. I feel like there should be a way for developers that need that low-level access to be able to go through some sort of further verification of their apps, oh, you know, get some really. special signature type of thing that says, okay, you can do this. Demasi creating his random app and selling it off of his website Probably ain't gonna get this permission, right? We don't know nothing about this guy. If Rogue you pay Amoeba. eight dollars a month, you can be verified. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but see, as part of the your application being signed, you're your official Apple developer. I would have thought you know a signed application install, and you're agreeing to that. If you say I don't mind if it's a third party, I'm installing from uh, a website. I would have thought that would automatically. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems a little bit overkill to me so i'll give it to you this way right on ios for example everybody's apps have to be signed because they're in the app store some app developers need more permissions than others uh so let's say the right to the health application like you want to integrate with apple's health health kit right you have to go through a little bit more scrutiny before they're going to allow you to even put those permissions into your application but yep, there is a, a process to do that right now any normal app developer including me could release an app on the app store anybody could download it and use it but if i want a health access specifically i would have to go through a lot more scrutiny before apple would allow me those permissions 
which is fine. I understand why they do that. What I don't understand is the question that you're asking, why can't Rogue Amoeba or some other tools on the Mac go through a similar process to say, hey, I need kernel level access. Okay, we're really going to scrutinize the heck out of your app. You know, ask a whole bunch of questions. Why are you doing this? Why does this happen? Yada, yada, yada. Before we're going to allow you to do that, right? Which means there wouldn't be everybody couldn't do it. But Rogue Amoeba, because they went through the extra verification process, would be able to do such a thing. Apple specifically put the settings in recovery mode to allow this. Uh, for apps like Rogue Amoeba, it's like, why don't you just make it easy? It's not very user friendly is the problem, right? It like, you know, it, it seems like right. maybe they should try to make it more customer friendly. Uh, if I'm telling somebody, hey, you should get Audio Hijack because it does this amazing thing for you that you need to do. And they're like, oh, I got to go to recovery. I've never been to recovery mode is what I hear a lot of times. Well, it's kind of like, you know, every time you get a user account control pop up on Windows, you know, do you want to allow this software to make changes? You need to go into your BIOS, and uh, it's right. it's the it's same like thing. That. Why can't it be operating system level? Uh huh. There you go. Ah, uh, I'll stick with Windows. A <laughs> couple of more settings that I want to mention that I change instantly uh, on the Mac. Safari. Uh, I go to Safari and let me go see exactly where this is in Safari. Because, of course, I didn't do my homework. He didn't write well notes done. down. So while he's doing that real quick, uh, one last setting that I forgot to mention is if you go into the system settings on the Mac and then you go down to accessibility, then choose spoken content. You can change the voice that's used whenever the system is actually speaking to you. So if you have a hotkey to uh, tell you the time or if you're in Zoom and you're getting that automatic text-to-speech from the system, that's where you set that voice and then you can also change the rate and supposedly just saying supposedly you can adjust the volume of that i have not got the volume to work because that's driving me crazy but that's the other setting i wanted to bring up there uh while demasi looked in safari so on your general tab you can change where your you know downloads go to if you don't want them to go to your downloads folder but there's a setting that i don't understand apple even having on by default given their posture towards security it's called open safe files after download now what this does by default when you first set up a mac and if you don't uncheck the box let's say i download you know uh uh zip or right as soon as i download as soon as that download is complete apple is going to instantly unzip that file for me or if i download a automatically automatically it will unzip that's that file. really bad right yeah, that, that's that's my process too, right? It says, and here's what they say: save file. So the open save files after downloading is the, is the checkbox. Save files includes movies, pictures, sounds, text documents, and archives. Now, I don't know about you, but I really don't want anybody automatically uh, opening a file just because I downloaded, like automatically opening it for me anyway. And I definitely don't want you automatically unzipping a zip file or automatically opening a movie or a text file because who knows what what may be there. Uh, But anyway, uncheck that option and it won't do anything. Uh, It's also annoying, too, when you download a zip file and then you go looking for the zip and you can't find it because they unzipped it automatically for you. And the file name, the folder name changes once it's unzipped. Uh, So that's another reason to turn that off. But that is a setting I instantly turn off in uh, Safari. Wait, wait, real quick. Do they actually delete the zip file after they unzip it? 
I don't remember. I don't remember. There, Gosh, there, that's, that that seems really awful. Yeah, I, I think because I changed, I changed, so I changed. I've been changing this setting for so long that I don't remember what they do to zip files. I do have my computer configured to delete a zip file once I unzip it, but I don't know if that's a default or if that's something I changed actually. Because that's a so uh, this shocks me to be honest with you. I mean, that, that shocks me too, honestly, because they're, I, they're I, Apple I, with I their security. Understand. Like, why would you? There, there's no safe file from the internet, right? Like, let's stop no. this madness. Like, there's, there's no concept there should not be a concept in any user's mind that oh just because i downloaded this off the internet and it's a movie it's safe no no that's that's not that's i don't understand it yikes so turn that off and again go to safari hit command comma to bring up your preferences you want to you should automatically be on the general tab but if you're not go to the toolbar select general and it is about towards the end of that window open save files after downloading uncheck that option please uh help yourself since apple's not <laughs> that's really interesting uh, listening to both of you there it seems like the, the 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 majority of the settings changing are all to do with file explorer or file browsing or finder um and i'm exactly the same in fact I change very few settings anywhere else uh, one thing i will say is because i sign in using a microsoft account into windows then i've got it set that it will automatically transfer any um any settings so accessibility settings personalization passwords everything is synced from the microsoft id um account so whether i go into uh, you know whatever computer i'm on it's always going to be the same the, the wallpaper if anyone cares about that but it's like i'm signing into the same setup uh, that's because i'm using the microsoft account to sign into windows now there are some negatives to using that i used to always use a local account to sign in but again i've been beaten into submission it actually <laughs> it, it, you know uh, it, it's set up and it works so I, I i use it and that is part of the reason i don't have to worry about um, accessibility sense or anything. The, the things that I change in my file explorer, and pretty much going back to what you were saying before, Michael, is the, um, uh, and Damasi actually, is, is I go and turn on file extensions because by default they're hidden. And I've got a lot of files where I may have a, you know, Sean talks rubbish dot wav and Sean talks rubbish dot mp3. And, um, I, I want to know what that is without having to cursor to the right to see what the you know, type of file is or, or anything. Mm. So I always go in. This is probably the first thing that I do um, in File Explorer. So Windows either bring up File Explorer, Alt to take me up to the uh, ribbon bar, uh, and then right arrow until I hear more, hit space on that, and then arrow up for options. Now, in here as well, in the first, there's two tabs, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I believe so. On the first tab as well, you can choose what you want um, or the location you want to start in when you open File Explorer. By default, I think it's recent files or most used files or something like that. Now, That's I don't changing, like that. by the way. Oh, yeah, well, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, the File Explorer itself is changing, so I hear, but yeah, I don't want to yeah. think about that yet. I'm traumatized. I'll talk um, about that when I do mine. I always change it so that every any time I open File Explorer, it just goes straight to um, this PC because I'm so used to going to you know C Windows and, and whatever else. Um, and then on the second tab, 
is the ability to uh, there's so there's a long list of different options. Oh, and that I think tree is it still a tree? Oh, it's a tree. Oh, it's definitely goodness. a tree. I remember that. Hide file extensions, and I make sure that's unticked because I honestly, I, I, I it blows my mind when uh, they they hide the file extensions. Uh, maybe I'm old school, but uh, absolutely confuses me. But also on there. Um, again, as you mentioned, there is at the top of that tab is apply to all folders. So again, if you want the the detailed uh, the list view or the details view, which I think I always use details, um, you can apply it to all folders and the way you group because exactly the same as you said, Damasi, with the downloads folder, it's grouped by today, yesterday, last week, six years ago, whatever it is. And I don't mind that. It's just it just adds extra wordage to your screen reader when you're trying to find something you know, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an extra arrow down. Uh, who's got time for that? Nobody. So um, <laughs> you can set all folders to be um, as you want, just like you described earlier. Uh, and that's about it for setup. Um, with accessibility. So, oh, hold Sorry. on, before you get there, I want to I want to go back to this 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 uh, this Windows account sign in thing. So, would you say that is close to being equivalent to restoring from say an iCloud backup or signing into iCloud on your iPhone type of deal? Hmm. It depends. It depends on what you put in OneDrive. It, yes, exactly. It's a bit more limited than that. For example, it, it can, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jeff, but you can, um, also it will sync applications, but only applications from the Windows Store? Oh, well, that there's a new uh, Windows backup capability in uh, the latest Windows 22 H2, which will become, if you, it's very confusing, Uh but the, there's going to be a 23H2 coming out later in the year, which I think is just a versioning number change. And I'm not exactly sure how this is all going to align, but there's a new Windows backup tool. And it's supposed to remember applications, that, especially those applications that you've purchased through the Microsoft Store. And uh, it's also supposed to remember even more settings and more configurations and, you know, you know so that... If you go out and buy, go to Best Buy and you buy a brand new computer, you bring it home and you sign in, you know, it can say, hey, do you want to remember the things that were on this PC? And you say yes, and it just brings everything over for you. So that's that. That's a pretty new change. And I honestly have not experienced it yet fully to be able to speak to it, uh, to give a definitive opinion yet. Sounds like they're doing more in that space than Apple is, though. So signing into a new Mac, you have to sign in with an account. Otherwise, it, it really yells at you anyway. So we don't. But you can migrate, though. We can migrate, yes. But what if you're wiping a Mac? Like Michael wasn't able to migrate because he was wiping his MacBook. I mean, his uh uh, Mike, what, what what's that computer? You the Mac, Mac Mini, Mini. Uh, <laughs> because he, he he was having some issues on the beta, right? So he wanted right, to go right, back right. to a stable version. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So signing in, like you get some stuff, and it, it does now. I think this is more recent. Remember, like maybe like your your um, your display setting, so that you have it in dark mode or, or light mode or whatever like that. You can bring you that still stuff. Still got to pick over. that. You still have to pick that? You, you still have really? to pick that during the startup process. It asks, how do you want your display to be light mode, dark mode, or automatic? So I don't really see anything that automatically syncs. Uh, my voiceover settings, I would love it if those yeah, see, voiceover if they doesn't don't. Come so, over. See, that should be synced. I mean, it, it should that, be. That should yep. be. Yep. You should get that from your iPhone even, right? Like, 
if it's on your iPhone and you're using specific settings, bring that over to well, the Well, it does on I iOS. I know that, but I'm saying if, if, if you're using other Apple hardware, why not just bring those settings as close as possible to, to the Mac? That's what I that's what I would like to see happen, but we don't get that. Yeah. Like so if I sign in just fresh, brand new, I have to go through the whole setup wizard. I can skip some options if I choose to do so. But once I'm signed in, like notification settings aren't synced, my voiceover settings are not synced, you know, which one thing I go instantly change in voiceover uh, by going to the voiceover utility is just use the caps lock key, not not the control and option keys uh, for my voiceover modifiers, for example. I have to go set up any custom keyboard mappings I have done. Like I have to reset those up. Uh, I, I don't like it's, it's irritating. And, and uh, at this point, like with an iCloud account, why can't you sync those a lot of those settings, yeah, if not all yeah. of them uh, through my account? And it sounds like Microsoft is getting closer and closer to making that you know like uh jeff said you know you're going to see i'm used to being on the show with just one person (laughs) (laughs) like jeff said you know you you go in best buy and you buy a new windows machine you bring it home you sign in with your account and it's like hey do you want to remember the things from over here do you want to you know set this up exactly the same way uh that makes the process of again getting back to being productively working on that machine or whether it's you know work work or you know, YouTube watching, whatever it is, you don't have as yeah. much to go configure. I'm constantly tweaking stuff. It takes me maybe an hour or so to get back to a point where I can work on a computer. But because none of these system preferences are synced over or able to be restored very easily, um, I usually spend about the first three to four days constantly popping into you know system settings like oh why isn't this working oh yeah because i didn't change that setting or why isn't that oh because i didn't change that setting full transparency apple could do this very easily because i did not spend hardly any time setting up voiceover because the first thing i did before i restart reset my computer is i went up to the voiceover menu bar and i exported my settings to my external hard drive and then the right when i reset it i imported which means it switched my modifier keys brought all my numpad commanders back switched me to clicks for loading on safari because i don't care what percent it is often it stays at 90 percent for 10 minutes uh so that that's what i did to get that set up so apple could just let you synchronize those with your icloud account god can you do that on the iphone because my gosh it sits there and goes you know it's, oh my gosh <laughs> oh, i gotta say that sounds great though that that upcoming update to answer your question Namasi, you know does it work like restoring from icloud it it doesn't currently it is limited I mean, it no, isn't yeah. nice to have, but it, it still is limited. Sounds better but, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds pretty similar, but there are. Yeah, it sounds like it does a little bit more. But if this Windows backup feature, I have um, not, plays I have like, not tried it yet uh, because it just came out. So, you know, yeah, I, have, I guess I'm going to have to format a machine and give it a try. <gasps> Well, see, see as you're here, Jeff, you know, as the, the windows uh, go to God. I might as well do it right now because Michael's building his Mac at the same time. I might as well get started. I mean, I've got another machine over here. I could do that. Oh, yeah. You could start writing the show. Like, here's I could the do it right now. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think so. Talk, talking about changing or toggling the function keys uh, function between system function keys or actual, you know, OF4 in. Um, is there a setting in Windows? Because both Mike and Damasi there said that in mac os itself you can choose there's an actual just a so. jet box there isn't in windows is there no uh-uh. 
That's, that's it really because there's so many on on the MX keys keyboard and a couple of other keyboards as well. If you hold down function and press the escape key, um, it toggles, so you can right, choose. The what you've change, changed. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's not mm-hmm. universal. I've got a Logitech. I don't know what it is. Uh, Breaking news: three eighty, and it doesn't work on, on that one. Oh, it works well, the same. Well, holding the F N key and tapping Escape fixed my function keys how I wanted them. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay, but it doesn't. Uh, mm, yeah, it's on Windows. It seems a little bit hit and miss. That's the only thing. Uh, I just wondered where that setting. I often I think, think, I don't think, is it now in the BIOS? And of course, totally inaccessible. No, no, so I don't even. No, well, no, no. I think that's keyboard dependent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, do we want to go through my list of Windows changes? Yeah, I'll sit back. Okay. Go <laughs> get your food. Do you, do, you, do you have your food? There, your list. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, no. Um, I, I have been going in and deleting things from my list as Sean and others have been commenting. So actually it's shorter because a lot of these things have already been brought up. So let's just start from uh, after installing Windows. The first thing I do is I go make sure I have all my Windows updates done. And that could take some time. You may have to do Windows update two or three times before you have all of them. If you have specific hardware drivers, if Windows doesn't find them, then it's great to make sure you're storing those drivers in one drive or a place where you can get access to them so that you can make sure that, for example, things like, oh, I don't know, you know, your uh, external sound card works. Generally, Microsoft's going to find that, but, uh, they're, you know, who knows? Any specific hardware that, that might be in question, just make sure you have the drivers available if Windows doesn't find it. I use a Microsoft account. We beat this horse to death here, but... Uh, there's, there's lots of reasons. Your Windows activation, your license uh, is remembered. So you you know don't have to worry about that. Your Office 365 license key is remembered. So you just need to sign in and it goes, oh, look, you're an Office user. Therefore, you know, you're eligible. You know, have at it. You're activated. Now, one thing I would recommend here is if you do need more storage and you do not want to go buy another copy of, say, Office, uh, you know, commercial edition to do that. There is one other option. Microsoft does allow you to extend the amount of OneDrive storage that you can purchase. So for example, on my personal OneDrive account, I have two terabyte of storage and it costs me uh, $10 a a month for that uh, because I already have Office. So you, you know, if you already have Office, that gives you the one terabyte for 10 additional dollars a month, you can extend that to two. So that might be of interest to uh, some of you. The next thing I do is I'll remove as much bloatware as I can. Now, some people are recommending things like installing using the world English language and things like that. There's some clever things that people are doing there uh, and not using your specific locale or uh, region. Uh, I'm not going to say not to do that, but that could be a problem if you actually admit that when you're calling Microsoft for support and you actually were to admit that, that could create a problem for you, your mileage might vary. So if if you are going to stick with your local, you know, like US language and region, if you live in the United States, for example, then just go in and, and search for any apps from the start menu and you can generally use the applications key and remove them. Microsoft is allowing you to remove more and more applications as you, uh, as you you know go on here okay i got a quick question jeff before you yeah. carry on because yeah. maybe you know the answer to this 
does Microsoft still sell their kind of signature? What, what was it called? The Microsoft signature PCs? Do they still sell know. that lineup? Those used to come with no bloatware. It was just raw windows. Yeah. I don't know if they do or not. Yeah. I don't know if they do that or not. Unfortunately. Isn't that the surface? Yes. Well, I, and I have a uh, surface <laughs> laptop and a surface book right over here. Oh, surface laptop is in did. front of me and my surface book is over here. Uh, and then I have a, and then I have a clone. We built computer. That's a, we just put uh 32 gig of, of memory in it. Oh man. It's so fast. I love it. So there, there's but, bloatware on the surfaces when you're, when you're setting those up too, that you're removing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Can we, we're talking, sorry to interrupt there. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, yeah but just, just quickly as we're talking about bloatware, how, Annoying, frustrating, and just wrong are the antivirus programs. I'm thinking of Norton, McAfee. Yeah, those generally don't get installed. I mean, unless you buy a machine from like Dell or... or That's exactly the point. The amount of laptops that people bring me and say, oh, this is running slow or I can't get rid of this. They make it so difficult to uninstall. I mean, just forget about accessibility oh, I know. for a I minute. Now, they just make people jump through hoops and hide, you know, the actual option to remove totally. And from an accessibility point of view, I dealt with one yesterday. What was it? I can't remember what it was, if it was McAfee or Norton. Just couldn't do it. Screen reader was, was no good whatsoever. Yeah, with McAfee, you have to actually go download a McAfee uninstall utility from the internet, How from their website to do it. I mean, that is ridiculous. I don't understand why that's even a thing. So I, I, I don't know. Very, very frustrating. When I say uh, bloatware on uh, a Windows machine, I'm thinking of the things that I don't want on it, like games. Uh, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't need Solitaire. I don't need, you know, all these other, you know, Candy Crush. And I know uh, there's probably some people listening going, "Oh, I play Candy Crush all the time." Okay, well, that's <laughs> that's fine for you, um, and that's great. And, and this is why this is our settings, guys. This is not what you should do. It's what we do. Uh, so, I mean, there's just a l- bunch of that stuff. You know, when am I going to use paint? Uh, never. <laughs> you know, like, you know, so off it goes, right? I mean, there's a ton of these things that, gotcha. that frankly, I just have no interest in having on my machine. So I go through and I and I go ahead and uh, and eliminate them. Yeah, it's nice but, that you can take that stuff out, though, because on the Mac, like, I cannot uninstall chess, even though I have no idea how to play chess. I cannot uninstall chess. What, really? You can't delete it from the applications folder? Nope. Wow. Really? What does it say when you try and delete it? Checkmate for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a bit highbrow. Well done. (laughs) See, I'm a professional. So, Uh, see, I hit command delete on chess in the application folder. It doesn't say anything. I just get that voiceover sound in case you can't do what you just tried to do. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. So, uh, I, I make sure I go and sign into my Microsoft account in the Microsoft store and I go and I do library updates. So I go in and I check for updates for all my Microsoft store applications and I make sure they get downloaded. So for things like Microsoft to do, you can even, if you wanted to put this on your machine, you could even install iTunes, uh, on your, on your machine or iCloud control panel, which then links your you know, Apple ID to Outlook eventually once you got Outlook installed and all of that. Uh, let's see. The next thing I would recommend, if you are an Office 365 customer and you buy a machine and it comes with Office 365 installed, I have had problems with this. So my recommendation is just what I do. If it works for you the way that it is, then don't change it. But 
If you run into issues, remove Office 365 from your machine and go to the Office 365 portal and download it and install it. I find that yes. I, I get better accessibility that way because what you're getting is the Microsoft Store version of Office 365, which you know, I'm not exactly sure what the two differences are, but I've known that I've had issues. So if if you're one of, in a situation where you just want to make sure things are stable, remove it from your machine, go to office365.com or, or at least have the setup executable in your OneDrive folder and rerun it. Literally, it takes 15, you know, 10 minutes to install. It doesn't take that long. You're better off doing that and having a secure situation in a, in a, in a, a much better environment. Okay. So uh, I'm going to keep going, and then someone just yell at me if I uh, need to slow Don't worry, down. Don't Jeff. Keep going. This is really okay. good. All right. So File Explorer options. Uh, I'm not going to mention the things that Sean already mentioned, but on the General tab, uh, I changed to this PC, and in the Windows 22H2 latest release, or 23H2 coming out later, uh, there's going to be a change where the default is now what is called Home and where it shows you your most recent files and folders and documents and all kinds of things that you can access. And so you might like that. Give it a try. Uh, File Explorer is going to dramatically change. So just, you know, make sure to recognize that as you upgrade. So Windows E is your friend to get into that. And, uh, you know, if you want this PC like I do, then you can go in here under the general tab and make that change. There's a bunch of other checkboxes, which we won't get into here, but you might want to take a look at them and find out if you want them enabled or not enabled. A lot of this controls what it will show and what it won't show from a privacy perspective. Uh, just customize as you see fit. Now let's move to the view advanced settings. This is where, again, you can show uh, your file extensions. Now I, I, I'm going to mention these. I don't necessarily think others should do it, but I'm just telling you what I do. And people are going to go, oh my God, I can't believe he does this, but I do it anyway, because I want to have access to know what things are. I show hidden files. So if a, a file has been hidden, I want to know about it. Oh my God, I can't believe you do this. I know. I fight the system. He's a rebel. No, no I do. And I, I, and I, I, I do show it too. operating system files. Like I want to see my page file.sys file. Yeah. And Same I turn here. on the status bar. Same here. I, I I turn on those hidden files too. Uh, and on the Mac and Finder, um, what I tend to do is just hit Command Shift period, and that will show me hidden files uh, instantly. Uh, there is also a way to make it stick, but if you reboot or something, you're not going to get those settings back. You have to hit Command Shift period. But because they've now added that shortcut, that that's my way of quickly making sure I can always see hidden files. I want to know where my .ssh folder is and yes, exactly. all of that. Yeah, I, the only thing I don't like is seeing all the desktop.ini files. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. But oh. Other than that, it just drives me banana bills. Uh, and then I um, will mention this. There is a series of checkboxes that you can enable and then disable uh, for your navigation pane that you can see in File Explorer. And so this allows you to turn, you know, things like, do you want to see, you know, your your network drives and do you want to see other things on it you know, so you can toggle all of these on and off i didn't list all of these here but just go through there and determine what you want to uh, to enable and disable now i'm going to mention one that i think everybody should do and this is just my personal opinion and you know take it for whatever it's worth but i'm telling you uh, i do not like the change in windows 11 with edge 
having to do with every single page being treated as a separate, you know, as a separate window. So if I open up five uh, web pages, then I have to alt tab five times, right? All around, blah, blah, blah. This is really, really annoying rather rather than just using control shift tab and control tab to move around. Man, you're now, about to I save know, my life right now. No, go, go, go ahead. Okay, so, so this is something that you want to do. You go to system. So you, oh, we go get into Windows settings, by the way. I should have mentioned this at the top. I should not assume people know where, they, where to go. Uh, you press Windows I to get into system, uh, window, Windows settings, and then you can execute system, and then you can tab around, get into uh, multitasking. Uh, the first thing I do is I turn Snap Windows off. It's a visual thing. I'll never use it. So why have it on there? Why, what, oh, you know, I'm all for efficiency, productivity, things I don't use, I don't want. So mm -hmm. therefore I turn them off. Okay. Uh, he here is the thing you want to change. Um, show tabs from apps when snapping or pressing alt tab. Don't show tabs. That's what you want it set to. Okay? Gotcha. Man, you have just changed that, my life. And if you do that, your world will be a much better place, at least in my opinion. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you something, man. I think, oh, love it. It's probably my favorite change I, I make, to be honest with you. That's 24-karat okay, uh, gold. I did not know that. Yes, there you go. For developers, I turn developer mode on. Then you go, well, what is that? Well, this allows you to sideload apps. For example, if you want to install things that are outside of the store. Uh, and if you want to do like remote desktop work, it's, it's kind of a developer geeky thing. Honestly, if it, for 99% of you leave it off, uh, it's just what I turn on. Um, and then you can do things like turn on file extensions and show hidden files and folders and operating system files and all that here too. Uh, I turn the terminal setting to uh, windows console host. Cause I'm a, cmd.exe fan and i you know nothing against those that like terminal but that's just uh, that's just what i do a personalization and start you can turn things that you want showing on or off in the start menu now this is i didn't go through a list but there's all kinds of customization that you can do here for example if you go to start and you start typing do you want it to show you you know web pages that you that you browsed to I personally do not. I run. I only want to see things that are on my local machine, so I turn that off. If I want to search the web, I'm going to open my browser. You know, uh, that's just me. Agree. Um, maybe I'm old school, but whatever, it works for me. That makes total sense. Personalization in taskbar. Don't worry, we'll get to Edge. We'll get there eventually. Personalization, <laughs> personalization in taskbar. Um, I go in and I turn on the, by default. Windows hides most of your uh, applications from showing it in the system, you know, system tray. So I go in and I and I turn on those that I want. I would recommend that you wait to do this until you have most of your applications running and installed, because if you don't, you're going to be coming back here over and over and over and over and over again. So <laughs> so just wait and do this, you know, when it's convenient. Uh, another feature, and I know you know some of you are like, oh my gosh, but widgets are such a beautiful thing. Um, but not on Windows, in my opinion. So I turned them off. Uh, the pen menu. Do you have a pen, Sean? No. No. So I turned the pen menu off. I mean, not a digital pen or an actual physical pen either. I haven't right, had a exactly. pen in years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Under accounts, the only advice I have here for you is if you have a bunch of accounts like a work or school account or multiple Microsoft accounts or all of these types of things, go in and add them. It's to your best interest because if you need to use one or sign into something that uses that account, it will remember it. This is, uh, this is just something that you might want to just do. It's not an absolute requirement, but it's something that you might want to consider. Time and language and typing. Uh, I turn show text selections off. So as you're typing, it may suggest things, and I turn that feature off. It's just another thing that kind of just gets in the way for me. And last but not least, in reference to uh, Windows settings itself, and then we'll get to Edge, because there's a bunch of stuff in Edge. And stay tuned for that, because I think you're going to be happy with some of the things I'm going to suggest there. Um, accessibility and narrator. Well, you're thinking, wow, you should have talked about this like at the beginning. Well, I, mainly what I did here is I went through the the choices through Windows settings from top to bottom. So I tried to present these in the order that you will see them. So the first thing I do with Narrator is I go in and I install all the natural voices. And in the newest release, uh, there's eight new languages that are supported. And there's more English voices, including some UK voices. Hey. So, so yeah, that's going to be cool. And there's, uh, yeah, so some really, really neat voices. Actually, I like many of them. They're very, very, very cool. Uh, They're amazing. I really wish I could use them with a screen reader. I'm just saying. Um Yes, that's not a possibility at the moment, at least. So I didn't, and I don't don't have anything to share there. Uh, Why is that, a, Jeff? Do you know? Uh, um, it it's it's complicated. It I I, I know I know that you know it's <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're about that, to break up. It's me. something that well, no, it's it's something that that was being discussed a lot when I worked at Microsoft. I don't work there anymore for, for full transparency. And, and, and honestly, when you're away from a company like Microsoft for three months, that's like a year in any other company. So I honestly really don't have anything to share here as far as anything that may or may not be happening in that space. But I, for one, would love to see that happen. So if you guys want natural voices to be used with other screen readers, by all means, get that feedback to Microsoft. Windows F is your friend. File that feedback to the feedback. Uh, okay, I'm taking off my Microsoft hat now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, I turn off the showing of Narrator Home and Narrator Starts because honestly, I don't need to see that every time I start Narrator. Uh, I turn on automatically send diagnostic information because if I'm reporting a bug, I would like to provide as much detail as I can to Microsoft to provide them information. Uh, accessibility keyboard. Um, there's a new setting that allows you to determine what happens when you press the print screen key. And by default, it brings up the snipping tool, and you can turn that off if you want uh, basic, you know, the use of that, you know, key again. So it just depends on on, on when you want here. Um, I, I, I lied. There, there's, a, there's one more thing in reference to... Uh, not lied, but I forgot. Uh, uh, there's one more area as far as Windows settings are concerned, and that's in Windows Update. Um, if you are wanting to get the latest updates from Microsoft that pertain to your stable version of Windows, then you can go into Windows Update and turn on that. Get the latest updates as soon as they're available. You want to toggle that to on, and you want to turn on receive updates for other Microsoft products. You should enable that as well. Okay, 
Any questions on that before I jump into Edge? Do we have time for me to go to Edge? Yeah, man, we got time. I want to I wanna follow up with a couple of settings, too, that you made me think about on the Mac that I don't think about. Uh, software update, I'll start okay. there. So for me on the Mac, and it's because Apple, I mean, I don't know if they still do this, but based off prior behavior with Apple, I will let it download an update, but not automatically install anything except for security updates uh, in your mm. software settings. So that's one thing that I changed there. Um, speaking of the way things look and visual stuff, I turn off uh, animations. Anywhere there's a thing that says, you know, animate or turn off animations, I, I activate that instantly because, again, I can't see it. I don't need it. You know, cut down on those CPU cycles. Um my status bar, um, or what is this called? Menu extras with voiceover, but the the the, the uh, status bar up there. So I go V O M M, right? Yep, V O M M. I go into system settings, go to control center, and you can go through and toggle off a lot of stuff that shows up in that uh, in the menu extras by default. So, for example, because it's already in control center. Um, I don't need to see my Wi-Fi. I don't need to see Bluetooth. Mm. I don't need mm. to see any of it. So I'll turn off, I'll restrict that to just show in control center uh, as well, as well as spotlight because I don't use it, but it'll still show up there. Siri, turn all of that off. Uh, you do that from the control center settings and system preferences. Wait, that's not what it's called. System settings. System settings. You can tell I'm old, man. System preferences. <laughs> Who knows about that anymore? What is that? Um few other things I turn off, I turn off some of the trackpad gestures because occasionally you will accidentally brush your trackpad and then find oh yourself God, in expose or oh uh, that, that window zoom out mode. Like I have no idea how I got here. So I go turn <laughs> all of those shortcuts off for the trackpad because, yeah, I don't need those. And where do you do that? Um, so some of those are going to be in trackpad up under trackpad. Um there's pointing, clicking, and scrolling, zooming. More gestures is where you want to go in that section. Okay. Um, and you can turn most of that stuff off, like the little little gestures. And then also under keyboard, I just uncheck all of the options for uh, mission control, period. Uh, because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. occasionally you, you'll you hit the wrong F key, and now you're in a zoomed out window thing, or you're in a new space or whatever. Like, no, I don't want any of this. Uh, so I turn that off. Uh, a couple of quick shortcuts to share since I mentioned that I look at a lot of this stuff in Control Center. Uh, VOO will take you to your notification center. Uh, and somebody told me a shortcut to get to uh, <laughs> Control Center that I have now forgotten. Uh, VO Shift O will take you to Control Center, but there's another one too. Mike, was it FNC? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, VO shift FNC, FNC will take you to your control center as well. So if you're having wow. to toggle uh, wow. Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or you need to connect a Bluetooth device, uh, I use those. VO shift O also gets you there as well as a voiceover user. Uh, and then one final thing I will mention that I change in system settings is um, Touch ID, you probably want to, if, if your computer has Touch ID, if you have that capability, uh, you probably want to go in there and make sure that your options are set to unlock apps, uh, similar to on the iPhone, you know, unlock your device as well as uh, approved purchases with Apple Pay, et cetera, et cetera. I make sure I turn those on. 
Uh, I want to mention internet accounts just because Jeff mentioned that on Windows. I didn't think about it. But yes, if you have a Google account or any other email slash calendar accounts to sign into, uh, of course, you have to go do it this way anyway, but it is go ahead and get those set up. Most times I will give Apple credit for this. If you have been previously signed into an account and you reset a Mac or you're signing up, setting up a new Mac, uh, it will have those accounts already there. You just have to turn them on. Okay. Cool. Should I do Edge now? Yes, sir. Because I have a you look. You've already given me a bunch of stuff for my Windows VM that I need to change, uh, which will save my life and and change it has changed my world, Jeff. But All I right. really I think mean, you're going to rock your world now, man. You're about to you're about to create a whole new space and and time and in the time space continuum with this Edge thing, though. I know, and, I, and I'm not even using you know, uh, you know, you're not even using the force. You're just I using know, the Edge or something. I'm just I don't know. Oh, boy, I need that DeLorean is what I need. I'd like to go back in time sometimes, you know? 21 gigawatts. It's Winamp. What is it? 20, it's Winamp. That's right. That's right. Oh. <laughs> it's a lava. <laughs> very, very good. Very good, Sean. All right, Microsoft Edge. So the first thing you're going to want to do is make sure you set up a profile. So when you start Edge, it kind of guides you through this process. You'll want to sign in, and then you can set up things like synchronization, so your bookmarks and settings and extensions and all those groovy things uh, come along. So if you haven't done that yet, you can go to uh, the settings within Edge and create a profile and and get all that set up. I would definitely recommend that. Under privacy, search, and services, there are a number of things here. Now, let me just stop here and just say, I'm a very minimalist, right? I want I want my browser to do as minimally as uh, you know as possible. I don't want it going off and doing a bunch of things behind the scenes. I want full control. I want as I want a bare bones browser. If I want something, I'll do it myself. That doesn't mean I won't in- install extensions, but I want the extensions to stay out of the way unless I call on you. Okay, and I don't want you doing things like showing me the best results for shopping or how I can donate a dollar to my candidate or donate a dollar to my, you know, favorite nonprofit or, you know, my gosh, all these crazy things that it does. Or if I go to Amazon, it will tell me it has coupons available. I really, 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 really don't care. If I'm going to look for a coupon, I'll do it myself, right? That's just me. I just find it, it gets in the way. It clutters things for me. So that's just me. If you like these things, by all means, keep them enabled for me. I go into privacy search and services and I turn all this stuff off. Um, Save time and money when shopping in Microsoft Edge. Uh, Turn off show show collections and follow content and uh, creators. I turn that off. You know, show opportunities to support causes that I, you know, like nonprofits. I turn that off. And I turn off notifications for things like Discover. I mean, I, I turn off all this stuff. Oh, and I also let, don't let Microsoft control my tabs. I figure I want them in the order I want them. Please don't change them. Just leave me alone. Get out of my way. And that's, that's what I do. Now, here is the gem that I think everybody should, if you do anything else in Edge, you should do these things. This has to do with sidebar settings. Sean, do you use the sidebar at all in Edge? No, absolutely not. Never. Okay. And and have you turned it off? 
Do you even know how um, to turn it off? No, I don't. I don't even know right. if I know it's there. Right. I know well, nothing. It, well, well, it's that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're very intelligent. Stop okay. It. So, <laughs> so you go into edge settings and you go to sidebar and here you can turn always show sidebar to off. Do that. Ah. Do that. Okay. But, but there's more, there's more you can do. Um, you can, per, there's a checkbox for personalizing your top sites. Um, and, you know, in the, in the sidebar, I check that. I don't allow notifications to take place for applications that are in the sidebar. And then the big thing I do is I go sure and configure each of the apps that has loaded itself into the sidebar. So you'll see things here like you might see Outlook or Office 365 or tools and games and other things in here. You can uh, select the button for each of these and then go through and uncheck the, the settings for each of these to get rid of them. So for example, I don't want the Outlook extension showing. You know, if I open up Outlook, I don't need it to be showing me email in my browser at the same time. It's not necessary. (laughs) Like, turn that stuff off. It's really, really annoying. So I I turn all of this stuff off. Um, So that's the gem as it relates to uh, the sidebar. Now, uh, start home and new tabs. I have it open to a new tab when I open up uh, the browser, as opposed to opening up my homepage to say Google or Bing or, you know, uh, any of these things, I turn off the home button. I've never, ever used it. So why would I need it showing? It's just something I don't find useful. Now here's the other gem I'm going to leave you with, and I'm almost done. And this has to do with page settings that show up, uh, when you open up a new tab. Have you ever noticed that if you open a new tab in, in Edge that you get all kinds of stuff like news and weather and yep. maps and all this stuff? Yep. It's yep. crazy, oh, right? Man. And who reads that stuff? Like, I certainly don't. If I'm opening a new tab, I'm wanting it's to, go, I'm somewhere. to go somewhere. I have, right. I have no interest in that. And, and honestly, I don't need you taking resources on my machine showing me all this stuff when, frankly, I don't want to see it. So you can enable the page settings button in the new tab dialog, and you can go turn all this stuff off. Okay. So go do that today. A little bit of yes. your sidebar and your page settings. Gems, uh, gentlemen. Genius. Genius. Sir. What this is. Next <laughs> is downloads. I know I'm excited about those. Cause frankly, I think, like these should just be the default, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. I, I, I'm a little uh, biased, but again, these are just Jeff's opinions and they're not anybody else's. So if you don't like my, you know, choices, then by all means, stick with what you like. Stick with it's what you like. Okay with me, man. It's For all sure. about choice, right? I do the same thing in Safari on the Mac. Go to your general settings. Um, new windows open with, I choose blank page. Uh, new tabs open with blank page because again I don't need to see whatever it is you think you're going to want to show me when I open up a new window or a new tab I'm trying to get something done so let's take that take care of that right now uh, all right I got I got three things left and I'm done all right man and these are also gems too so the 
if you go into downloads, you can define where you store your downloads, but that's not what I really want to talk about. The one setting that you want to uncheck is open up Office Documents in the browser. Ooh. And you say, what is that? What does that even do? Um, well, the, if you open up an Office document that's linked in the browser, it will open in Edge. I personally do not like that. So I want to be able to open these documents in the native desktop applications. Now, the only other hint I would give you is you should go in and and also enable this to open up Office documents in the desktop applications in the actual Office desktop apps as well. So you should do this in both places just to make sure that you um, cover all of your basis and make sure that you, you know life is a happy place. Uh, I, I just find that you just get a better overall user experience uh, doing that. Okay, I have one last thing and I think I'm done. Drum roll, um, please. This is <laughs> it's, en- it's enough, right? I'm sorry, I, I've been going on and on and on. No, no, sorry for that. Great. Okay, so uh, under accessibility, there are a number of things here, and especially there's there's great things here for low vision and all, all kinds of stuff here. But the one I want to talk about is specifically designed for screen reader users, and then and that is to show automatically get image descriptions on images. So. Edge will, if there's no alternative text on an image, if it if it can find one, it will go get it and it will apply it to the image so that you you know, you can actually understand what an image might be. Um, that I I generally don't let the browser do something, but in this case, I think it's a value and therefore I do it. So those are Jeff's personal settings in Windows and personal settings in Edge. Uh, your mileage may vary if you have. Uh, Anything to share, or tips or tricks or, or corrections or additions, deletions, whatever. Uh, you know, I could be wrong on something and I'm happy to admit it. But, I, you know, that's, that's what I do when I configure a machine. Oh, that was amazing. Damasi, have we got an applause on the signboard there? Oh, Come man. on. I, nope, I think... nope, don't have a signboard. Oh, that we'll, was amazing, we'll, Jim. We'll, we'll get a that clap. Was... We'll get a real clap. <laughs> that was so... I'm giving Good. myself so many- a hand. I'm just holding it up. <laughs> <laughs> See, this would have been so a many time. Great for, tips. This would have been a time for me to have actually have set up uh, Farago for a soundboard to to apply. That was awesome, man. <laughs> because you you have solved some problems for me that I just hadn't taken the time to dig through in my Windows 11 installation that have been driving me crazy. So, yeah. thank you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think that's the case with with all of this conversation. Oh yeah, man. all solves like now I got my function keys back because Sean mentioned FN Escape and now it's working the way it should. So appreciate it. And, and I have to go back and write notes now on all the Mac stuff because I gotta go do that. You know, dig it out uh, later today and start configuring it. So me too. If you <laughs> yeah. could send them over to me, Jeff. Have them on my desk by nine p.m. Thank you. Uh, uh, well, it's almost nine. P- it's almost nine p.m. There, it might be tomorrow, but I will email. Them to you. Well, to be fair, the Windows notes are already on your desk if you check your email, Sean. Yeah, Sean, I emailed that to you earlier. Yeah, man. I don't check email. <laughs> are you saying my email went to spam? Is that where it went, Sean? <laughs> that's always my excuse. Oh, that's all right. I missed that. Mostly gone to be junk. 
this is awesome. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Yeah, yeah this, this fun. has been enjoyable. Um, appreciate both of you for joining us, and I'll let uh, Demasi ask any additional questions or wrap it up because uh, we have had some great feedback on Mastodon. Um, if you want to check that out, you can follow hashtag oh, no, technically working. <laughs> Just Taylor and Michael uh, agreeing oh, with several things. Because yeah, yeah, they're listening live. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're Taylor did mention that she uh, does not use NVDA from Ninite, but uh, there you go. What's creepy about doing the uh, NVDA install from Ninite is you run Ninite and all of a sudden you hear the NVDA startup sound and then it shuts down automatically. It's just kind of freaky. It's very strange. <laughs> it's very <laughs> strange. What you can do with Ninite is store once you get your installer set up, just store that on your external drive and then That's right. run it when you we get Windows set that. up. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff all around. So, uh, thanks, gentlemen. There'll be a for, quiz after uh, the show's Listen, over. there's going to be a quiz put out on uh, Mastodon. Yep, next, next Friday. <laughs> uh, you know, we, as soon as we figure out if you can actually do quizzes and polls on Mastodon, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll Yeah, they're accessible. Oh, okay, good deal. I, yeah, I hadn't yeah. even... Look, man, I'm, my, my master... Look, I'm going to have to invite somebody else on to tell me how to use Mastodon, honestly, at some point. Because, you know, I can post and... Uh, read and that that's that's the extent of that. So well, you, you've got a co-host right there. Michael's pretty good at it. He probably could fill you in. No, because he he wants me to do a lot of posting, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Be careful, you're creating work for yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't want to actually create any work. I just want to understand more about how it works. Uh, <laughs> but this was amazing. Like I, I appreciate the two uh, of you showing up and sharing your knowledge and your experiences with Windows uh, for us. Uh, Jeff, thank you for even being the one to actually initiate this whole episode existing by asking a question that I was like, oh, we should turn that into a show instead of just answering the questions for Jeff. We should tell everybody. So uh, great show, folks. Um, I am going to give these two gentlemen away uh, the opportunity to share how you can reach out to them or follow them on the Internet. So we'll start with Mr. Jeff Bishop. Jeff, you want to give people any place they can follow you or read your writings or anything like that? Sure. Uh, well, I have a website at jeffbishop.com. It hasn't been updated in a while, but it, that, that seemed to be changing. Uh, you can find me on uh, Mastodon at jeffbishop at mastodon.online. And if you want to go old school and drop an email, you can email me at jeff at jeffbishop.com. All right. Thank you, sir. What about you, Mr. Priest? Well, you can hear me and uh, my colleague and good friend Stephen Scott every day, Monday to Saturday, on Double Tap, the daily tech show. Uh, you can just search for Double Tap in your favorite podcast app, or you can find me on YouTube you search for Sean of the Shed, that's S-H-A-U-N, Sean of the Shed. And I believe I'm on X or Twitter or something, at Sean's Shed. Hey, Sean, real quick, you just did a podcast on the Hable One. Yes, that's right. Oh, and don't tell me. How are you wrong. liking that? You know what? I, I'm, I'm loving the Hable One, and I really didn't think I would. Um, I, I'm not, I don't use Braille Every day, I, I barely know grade one, but it's just a great form factor. And it's something you just really pick up really quickly. I'm surprised. And the way they've implemented the way you can navigate around your iPhone, it's really good. Sorry, this is sounding like an advert. It's not. I've just, as, as someone who, who doesn't use Braille every day, I was really impressed how useful it was for me. 
I'll, yeah, I'll no, I, I'm just curious because I saw I saw that episode and I was like, oh, we got to ask him about it. So yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I have found it to be more. Um, I took to it more than I thought I would too, uh, honestly. So I, I completely get yeah. your your feeling, Sean. I was like, oh, they're gonna like this thing. Let's see what it is. Like, oh, actually, I could see myself carrying this with me though. Like, so yeah. So I don't think I would spend three hundred dollars for it though. I um, there's the catch. Yeah, there's the there's the there's the gotcha. Uh, but stick around and uh, yeah. So um, let's see. You can follow and definitely check out Double Tap and Sean of the Shed it because uh, Sean does have some great tips. I still haven't Shaun listened to that show, Sean. I, need I have actually it. listened to a couple of shows. It's a great show. A couple of episodes. Uh, Thanks to so the one he's talking about, like uh, the, the outlets and the smart outlets. He's, he's, he's doing good over there. Check out Sean of the Shed. Hashtag friend of the shed. Uh, and I promise you that that that. Uh, um, I almost said the wrong show. Double Tap is a tech show. I, I promise you it really is. Sean, is it really a shed, though? Really? Is it? It is. I am in my shed right now. I can't really stand up in it. And it is just a rickety old garden shed. But it's where my family shoved me when they said, we can't bury you podcasting. So you and really recording. are in a shed? Really? Seriously? I am, yes. It's the a, shed does wow. exist, man. Okay. All right. Yeah. And he has Ethernet running down his basement. garden walk. Oh, I, how do you Lord. know that? Because you've Are talked you stalking about it. me? Oh, right. Okay, that's fair enough. I do have an Ethernet cable <laughs> coiled up around my garden. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. You in do? Here, man. Every man should have a shit. How does it have the... I mean, it rains there all the time. Isn't that bad? There's, I know. There's, I've outdoor, had there's outdoor rated Ethernet cable. Yeah. Well, okay. Thank you, that's Sean, right. for doing what I would have done, too, if I had a shit. <laughs> uh, which yeah. is running the Ethernet cable out. Don't depend on the Wi-Fi. That's another tip. If you're like me and you're on the Mac and you want to make sure because Apple will prioritize Wi-Fi above Ethernet connections. Um, but in order to use AirDrop, you probably want to keep Wi-Fi on. Go into your Wi-Fi settings. Turn off automatically join Wi-Fi networks. That helps you there. And you can move your Ethernet up to be the priority. Uh, actually, nope, I'm telling you wrong. You cannot do that in system settings. You can turn off automatically join Wi-Fi networks. You can no longer move your Ethernet uh, priority up to the top. But if you turn off automatically connect to Wi-Fi, Ethernet will go to the top. Um, oh, that's cool. Can you do the same thing on Windows? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You probably can turn off automatically join Wi-Fi. Yeah, I think oh, you yes, can do that. You can. Yes, yeah. but I, yeah. I don't know if you can reorder though. Yeah. Well, I, only, you, you can't reorder on you can't reorder on the Mac anymore, I don't think either. That, that was system preferences you could do that. I'm not sure you can do that in system settings. I haven't seen how to do that. Well, I've got Ethernet as as we said, I've got Ethernet for my computers in yeah, here. Got but you. I've recently got some Elgato studio lights, the key lights, and to operate them i need to use wi-fi they're wi-fi connected so i need to turn the wi-fi on on the laptop which is usually off in order to control those it's just got very confusing i'm never quite sure is my internet coming through the cable or the wi-fi <laughs> well i'm not going to let you talk to my wife because she'll get ideas of putting me in a shed with all my it's the dream Oh, I don't know about that. Not when it's 115 outside. <laughs> That's true. That is yeah. true. That is yeah. true. Yeah, Jeff will be out there with a portable, uh, portable air conditioning. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, one, no one would want to talk to me because it's too loud. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks again, gentlemen. You can follow that guy over there who's been quiet, very quiet this episode. Michael, uh, he's on 
uh, Mastodon at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N, at unmute.community. And I am, of course, Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E, at unmute.community. And show, show notes, not shows, show notes and links to things that we mentioned, including probably a couple of surprise downloads for you, will be at yourownpay.com slash T-W.